It's time for the movie rating. Tonight's victim is director, producer, Joe Luan, that has done such films as Rust, The Immortal Wars, and More Wars Resurgence. Hello. Hey, how's it going, man? Thank you for having me. Yeah, so what have we been up to? We've just been shelling out The Immortal Wars for a while. Yeah, I know. I mean, it's, it's been fun. It's been fun. It, the story's been evolving like crazy, so got big things coming as well. <laughs> Now, people who have not seen The More Wars just yet, uh, can you elaborate a little bit about the story and, and what, what's up with the storyline and everything that we can expect out of it, including Resurgence? Yeah, okay. It is a trilogy. Resurgence is the sequel that just came out. But, but basically, the story, it, it's set in the future. People uh, have captured what we call deviants, which are people with special abilities, and they've captured them to fight on national TV. So think of, like, Super Bowl. So pe- the, the humans prepare for that event. They prepare their fighters and they get everything ready for this one televised event to happen called the Immortal Wars. And it's run by Dominion Harvey, who's the um, president of the United States sector. Um, and that's played by Eric Roberts. And yeah, so these people fight for to death on that national TV. Um, it follows the character of Triclips. And the, the stories, it, it kind of shows very uh, a very Mortal Kombat type of layout, I want to say, with the first film. Without giving too much away, uh, yeah, you know, they fight. Triclips doesn't want to fight, and she's forced to fight to survive. She befriends another character called Iroh, and that's kind of what the first Immortal Wars is about. The second one picks up exactly where the, la- the first one left off. So that exact scene that the film is left off at, that's where part two starts. And part two has shifted a little bit. It's not more of a Mortal Kombat. It's kind of gone more into like a Resident Evil, um, Mad Max, Hunger Games type of feel. (laughs) And that one, uh, I've introduced a lot more characters. Uh, We're exploring more of the universe that I've created and kind of showing the audience and and the viewers of the film how it is behind, like obviously the facility of Dominion Industries. Our one focus on just showing indoors and behind their closed doors, but now I'm showing them the world. And the third one is shifted to be something completely different. Well, that's really cool because I've always enjoyed these types of uh, versus type films like Mortal Kombat and stuff like that because I've always want more like that because like Bloodsport I've always enjoyed that different kind of cultures different kind of backgrounds and then they're all just duking yeah. it out and so forth but having to shift from that film to a sequel having to shift slightly a different aspect of things were you a little bit more cautious about making the sequel compared to making the actual first film i mean considering this was more different than the first film itself um i'll be honest the scripts for the entire trilogy they were done i finished the script for all three films um, even before we started production on the first one so that was already the original plan of where the story was going to go when when it comes down to the third one though i've had to rewrite the entire script eight times now if it's got i guess i I could say it's more the reason of that is because certain characters or certain talents or situations that had to be made or decisions that had to be made that shifted a lot of the story, that'd be the reason why I've had to rewrite the script. It was always that plan to go from that Mortal Kombat feel, now we're going into like more of the Resident Evil feel, and we're taking them out of the facility, the games are over in the sequel, you know, so that was always the plan. But the third one now, I like to listen to feedback, and I like to, to hear from what the viewers and the fans of the films have, have liked, certain elements, and they really did like that whole Mortal Kombat feel. So, I will say this, this might be a little bit of a spoiler, but for the third one, I will be giving back to the fans a little bit more of the Mortal Kombat story plot-wise versus type of roles 
<laughs> I don't want to give too much away, but yeah, I will give that back. You can play with that a lot, actually, because even if you make a sequel or a third or fourth sequel, you can still have that one element out of, and, and still have uh, completely different elements mixed in together. Now, of course, it, it's a balance on its own, a little different, and it's definitely to take in, but if you have that one element that people really liked, stick with that one element and add other elements around it, and you can still have that same effect as you did in the first film. Exactly, yeah, and that's something that I really wanted to, when I was, was hearing comments, when I was asked questions during this um, recent press tour that I've been doing, that was one thing that kept, that kept on coming up, and I was like, you know what, no, let's, let's, let's go back to that. I want to dive back into that whole scenario of fighter versus fighter, and let's, let's go that route again, um, and incorporate it with something new and fresh for the third one. Obviously, that will be what the story is led up to, so yeah. And when it comes to the directing portion of this, do you ever having to be more cautious to the point where you got to put yourself into the character that you're directing aside from just directing these moments? Um, you know, I'll be honest, it was, it was challenging directing the second one. Um, I'm, I'm pretty prepared, and I, I prepare myself a lot throughout pre-production stages of each film. With the second one, it did get a lot challenging directing one character solely because almost every scene had about 10 to 15 characters at one time. So it did get very hectic and crazy trying to focus on one certain thing, but then I still had to worry about all the other nine characters that are interacting with this one character. Does that make sense? It was, that was one of the biggest challenges I had with this film. I, I'll say that with my with the Immortal Wars, the first one probably had no more than 20 characters in the entire film. And the sequel jumped up to like 70, 75, so it was a big jump. Even as a director myself, that, that was a challenge that I wanted to take and to take on but you know it was something i did learn it was a, a big learning experience for sure well yeah I, I definitely understand because here you got like like you said you got dozens of, of characters and this is a kind of like a fighting type of combination type of film and you don't want to just have a bunch of fighters and then not have any kind of real interaction or some kind of connectivity between these characters and even if it's not a character that has no real business with that main character supporter character whatever the fact is you don't want anybody to be really be left out. You have all this action going on. You don't want anyone to be having to be a forgetful character. Exactly. Yeah, that was one thing that I had to really dive into, and and I did write. I did run into that. You know, I did run into that um, when I was in the pre-production stages. There were certain characters that had to return, but I did feel that I'm like, well, this person's just standing there. They're not saying anything. No, like we need to give this character more of an interaction, more dialogue, so that the viewers remember that character's there. So I did write in some extra scenes. I did adjust certain dialogue, and I was like, no, this person's going to say this instead. So I did do that just so exactly what you mentioned. That way there's no characters that are forgotten. Now, actors always, always nervous about having to get the right role and having to nail it down and so forth. But as a director, how do you ensure that you don't over-direct a sequence or emotional moment? Ooh, um... I mean, I'll, I'll be honest, I haven't had to, I haven't read into that situation yet. The, the cast was very, very open to what I want them to do. Even when I work with them, I, I'm open to them. I like to let them kind of create the character, how they, they can envision it. I am the type of person to be a little bit more like, you know what? Don't say it word for word. If you can't, try to deliver the lines and get the same point across. If you want to shift your dialogue or some shift certain lines, I'm okay with that. So we kind of collaborate. You know, the actors and, and myself, we do collaborate while we're on set. Well, I shouldn't say on set, I should say in pre-production, because all the rehearsals is when we're doing all those adjustments, so that when we're on set, we already know what's going to happen. There's no surprises. Even though you still run into surprises, we kind of, you know, filter that out before it happens. But we, it's a collaborative work, I think. So it hasn't been challenging, or I haven't had a difficult time with that yet. <laughs> 
having to get all your films out there in terms of like from st- online streaming to major retail areas all these mega corporations and companies are just buying up even the lesser even well-known and lesser well-known companies do you think this is a constant reminder that anybody can easily be submissive in this business even from this kind of temptation itself well i mean i think it's it is an industry that's very it's constantly moving at a rapid speed so there are constantly purchasing films there's there's films that are constantly being distributed it's like you have to just jump in and run along with everyone else and that's the way i've kind of treated it you know you finish the film all right we're done editing post all right send it over you know everything's already planned out so that it's within months things are moving along because the next best thing is always right behind you and i think that's one thing that when it comes to my films thankfully i've been blessed to have a a team and, and people who support what i've done to already have the deals in motion i know that with the deal for the immortal wars 2 it was already sent to my office even before the, the trailer was done. The se- they wanted the sequel even before the movie was even halfway through post-production. So it definitely was a blessing in that element and in that department, but it definitely is an industry that has to, it's constantly evolving, it's constantly moving. You just have to be ready and, and push forward and just jump on that as well and move along just as fast with them. And sometimes that mentality in terms of like not moving forward, like like you, what you are right now, like they want to kind of be slow steady. I mean, it's understandable that you're cautious about what's going on of who's going to buy what, how it's going to be distributed and so forth. But a lot of times films are just being streamed just mainly on YouTube or just mainly on this other websites, domain sites that's really not going to generate anywhere. It's just sitting there and going to even small time stores that people are really not even going to rent or anything like in terms of generating revenue and you yourself as an artist has to generate that revenue and treat that as a business as a whole yeah oh yeah you have to that's one thing that i do is i do i'm very involved with the distribution companies i have met certain filmmakers that it's like oh here's my film i'll wait for a check to come in you know what i mean i've ran into that a lot uh, a lot of friends that are like that, or acquaintances, I should say. I'm not like that. I, I, I see that I, I'm involved with the film from when I write it to when I'm shooting it and editing it. And then once the distribution, all right, I need my reports. I want to see where is it doing it, where is it doing well? Where is it doing very bad? Even up to the artwork. I like to be like, all right, you know what? I was like, how does the artwork look? Uh, I want to see how it looks before it's released. And, and we, we jump back and forth, and that's a good relationship I have with my distribution company. They, they they collaborate with me with that as well. I'm not sure if there's a lot of film directors out there. I would encourage them to be that way. These projects are, are an expression of our, our emotions or our, our feelings or what we're going through at that moment. It's, it's our art that we're expressing. I think that we should be involved with it from beginning to the end. You know, and that's the way I am with each project. And I treat each project, even if it costed us two thousand dollars to make or three hundred thousand, we're gonna we're gonna treat it like a million dollars and make sure it does its job and it gets out there so the world can see it. That's the way I treat each project. Now, what would you consider opportunities that seem great, but really it's either a trap or actually make less revenue for yourself? Oh, um, I'm not sure. I'll tell you this: all my films have recently just been released. So I'm still learning myself. I haven't ran into any situations or found to where I'm stuck or I'm not seeing something I'm not happy with yet. Yeah, I couldn't answer that right now. I'll be honest, because everything's new still for me. The temptation is all around you, and when you get like these kind of deals, and you think it's it's a good deal, but oftentimes, really, it's it's not entirely a good deal, despite the company, despite what they're offering, because technically. 
you're only getting a fraction of what you're wanting to get and what you deserve. That's that's the problem with a lot of these companies that are buying up some of these films. And because they want to use those films to generate into something else. They want to basically, basically it's like something in the back shelf of the store. They're going to use those to, to just generate a little bit of extra cash. That's what they do. Oh yeah, and I think that's in any department or the business part of when it comes to films. There's always fine print. <laughs> So anytime I see I get a deal or I get an offer or something, first thing I do is I send it to my attorney. And I have my attorney read it and break it down. Because half the stuff that's not even, I want to say 80% of stuff that's on agreements and contracts, I don't know what I'm reading. It's a completely different language to me. I need them to, so my attorney simplifies it and he explains every single detail. And that's when I start to filter, okay, this is not a good deal. This is a good deal. And that's the way the process I do with each project. Yeah, because there's companies out there that, will take their film and you never hear anything from them. I've heard some horror stories of filmmakers who haven't heard from their distribution companies. There's no communication whatsoever. They're still waiting for a check to come out and the film was out already for two years. You know, it's a very, very scary and tricky business. You just have to be ready and on guard for what comes your way and try to find those who can help you. Like my attorney, he's really good. So he knows even um, when it comes to um, my manager, he's also like, this is good, this is not. You know, he's very, they're very open and, and they do guide me a lot when it's make certain things that come my way. You have to be open and you have to have your eyes open to see what's good and what's not. Because yeah, everything, everything will look good. Everything will sound good um, when they're saying it. But when you see it on paper and on print, that's when things start to change. Oh, it definitely can change. Anything can change uh, between that portion, you know, including trying to just, uh, just film on itself filming itself anything can happen in between like maybe something in terms of a company that is putting invested in your money they might back out you never know that's that's the thing as a director producer whatever you got to be ready for anything even if you've never experienced it before you have to expect anything that could possibly happen but i'm not saying you should worry about it i'm saying you should just keep that in mind definitely have that in your mind yeah like you said it's, it's not always gonna be bad the deals you're gonna get there might be some amazing deals that are like a once in a lifetime type of deal but you do have to still keep it in your mind and your guard up a little bit and still be cautious cautious of, of what comes your way and what you're signing just don't go off signing things <laughs> that'd be the biggest mistake you do is don't go and you get an agreement you sign it right away there's a lot of details you need to go over and, and look into before you start signing anything and of course uh, you as an artist having to represent you as an artist how do you keep yourself staying that this is what I am this is what I represent how do you keep yourself in that motion as well as other companies you understand what the companies do but this is you you can't just simply you can sell yourself but you got to make sure it's you as well that this is you that you are putting up for sale this is you that you're representing this is you that you're expressing i mean how do you keep that art as yourself even in check for other people um honestly it's hard it really is hard i do find that myself um, running into challenges like that you know i've I've run into situations where they just want my name on the project you know they just want my name on the project for certain reasons It, it, it could be because if my name's on it they they might get a deal for distribution or they just having my name attached might help them uh, from the from the success and from the, the the followers that my films The Immortal Wars have. So it is something that I do find challenging when it comes to trusting and making sure people are in doing including man and offering me certain things and good intentions instead of something that they're just trying to benefit off. I've ran into that a lot. And even that I've been I've been I've ran into situations too where they just want my name involved and they'll just give me a credit but I don't have to do anything. And I'm sitting there like, no, like I don't do stuff for free credit. I want my credit and I want stuff that's on my name to be something I really worked hard on. And 
something that I have my my creative mind and my hands involved in. So it is challenging to, to try to find the right ones and to make sure that they are the right ones. You're still going to run into some that are not good. Like I can say I have an amazing team that I, I always get my second opinion with them and they do you know consult me and they do help me with if I'm stuck and I'm so I'm very indecisive on something, they're the ones who will help me make that final decision. It's still my final decision to make, but they kind of you know guide me and and mentor me a little bit to be like, well, this is this, this is that. So that kind of helps me get back on on track of who I am and what I'm doing because it is, it's, it's, it's a, a cutthroat industry. <laughs> well, of course, especially when you make that first film, there's many, many things that you're already racing through your head because, first of all, you want to make that next project. However, you got to get this first project out first and having to get that out and having and once you get a team going and stuff, you got to take those decisions from other people or, or uh, suggestions that have actually, especially the ones that are actually experienced in this industry. And it's OK if you've been in this industry 10 years or whatever, it's still OK to take those suggestions and, and understand even further, because the more that you keep being in this business, the further that you understand more of what's around you as an artist itself, what's around you in your environment, just like a character is revolved in a film. That's one thing that I've had with my executive producers for all my films. They have suggestions and you have to listen. As a director, you, know, you, you have to listen to the suggestions and the thoughts of the executive producers. They're the ones who are investing in your projects. They're the ones who are like, literally, you know, funding your project. You have to listen and that's one, one kind of relationship I have with them. We, they make suggestions, I listen, I acknowledge what they're saying, but I make the decision at the end. And then that's kind of how it works. And you have to be that way as a director, as a filmmaker, or I think in any line of business, those who are investing and those who are who are really putting, you know, backing you up, you have to listen to them and acknowledge them. That's something very important. That's something I do all the time. Oh, definitely, man. Because if, if you don't, your your representation as, as an artist itself will dissolve because it'll be clouded by all these other offers or just hit a dead end. And that's where your project's going to end up into a dead end. It'll just stay there. It, it won't go anywhere from anything that you want it to be it'll just stay there and unfortunately you know if, if you don't take that leap you won't you won't succeed as, as what your vision will be oh yeah yeah and, and the one thing that i've done all i've been in the industry for i want to say 17 years now i've been i've been making films but what i've learned is like i use the resources that i have you know when it comes to my film rust and the telephobia you know those were projects those were i'll say a passion project that i worked on day and night i used whatever resources i had I was doing all that I can to make these films and complete them, and that's what kind of led me to being found um, by these investors and my producers, and that's it's kind of evolved from that. So you kind of just have to do it and keep on creating to make sure the project's done. I've, I've heard so many stories of filmmakers not finishing their projects. They start something and there's a stress or something happens or some, they go through something to where they no longer want to finish it and the projects never get done. That's kind of a sad. It's pretty sad. It really is because there's so many amazing pieces of art out there that people need to see. Well, go ahead and plug in any websites or anything that we can check out right now. You can find The Immortal Wars any uh, major retail. You can watch it on Amazon Prime, I believe, is on there. Um, the sequel is out there also to purchase or rent. And as far as The Immortal Wars, I mean, we also have Telephobia and Telephobia Chapter 2. Those are more of a hostile, saw type of films. Very gruesome, not for everyone. Those are uh, another trilogy that I'm working on, which we start production on Part 3 in November of this year. That also is out on video VOD platforms, so you can stream those and watch those. And Rust. Rust is also out. That's very Texas Chainsaw Massacre. That's also another trilogy out there. Uh, we start production on Part 3 in October. That's 
that's out there on VOD platforms as well. And like I said, everything, I don't know if I mentioned this, but all of my projects, as far as like more of the feature films, it's all a shared universe. So my films, Rust, The Telephobia, and The Immortal Wars, they all cross paths at one point or another. Some are horror, The Immortal Wars is sci-fi action, but at one point or another they do cross. And I kind of did everything on the shared universe. And... The Immortal Wars, which I probably should have mentioned uh, when I was explaining what the movie was about, um, it's actually based off of my comic book series, The Vanquishers. And the comic book series, the first book picks up after the events of all three films. So if you read the books, there are spoilers from certain characters, but it's a live adaption for my comic book series. I grabbed all my characters in my books, and I brought them to life in The Immortal Wars, and now picking up part three in January. (laughs) That's really cool, man. So there you have it, everybody. That is director Joe Lujan. Thank you, bud. Thank you for having me.